You know, I actually didn't tell you the whole story about Pastor Jack's selection. He, he says, look, if you don't do it, what I'm going to have to do, he says, I'm going to have to zoom in, put myself in his bathrobe. Those were his words. On the wall. And he would have to teach from home. And I said, you don't want to do that, Jack. That's all in good fun. He, uh, he has a way of lightening things up. And I really appreciate that about him. So for me, I was asking the Lord throughout uh, the past couple of days how best to minister and share and perhaps kind of support some of what Pastor Jack has already been teaching us through the book of Joshua. Uh, there are many things that we learn, and among the, the many things is in chapter 1 and verse 8 of the book of Joshua. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to quote the verse so that you can be reminded of the importance of the word of God. Joshua 1.8 Let this book of the law not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate upon it both what? Day Day and night. You could probably quote it. Observe to do all that is written in it. Do not turn to the left nor to the right, but follow the Lord and obey the Lord in that. You see how I made up that end? I didn't actually quote it correctly, but it Seemed to make sense. But no, Joshua was a bit concerned about taking on the responsibility of moving the people of God forward to this place they called the promised land. And he needed all the encouragement. He was following after the heels of the great man that we often refer him to, Moses. Moses is referred to Many things, but I think if he were here today and we would ask, Moses, what is it that you prefer to be called? He would probably say, the friend of God. The friend of God. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. But what Jesus wants is friends from you and I. A friendship, a relationship. One that is growing, one that can be looked upon as being faithful and loyal, committed. And we found that when we read, we find that when we read through the book of Joshua. Joshua is fully committed to obeying the Lord because he had heard the command to observe all that is written therein. There are times where we read the Bible and we say, oh, I'm okay with this and I'm okay with that. But this particular thing, I really am not sure if I want to do that. And so the call for us today as God's people in the church is is no different. The Bible says that if we love the Lord, then we will desire to what? Obey his commands, right? If you love me, you'll keep my words. And that is always the true test of love. Doing what the Lord commands. And... Doing it, what? Happily. Action is the key. Do it maybe tomorrow? No. Do it immediately. And the joy then is yours to receive. That's the promise. Promise of the believers. And oftentimes I found myself in what people call the mully grubs or the, the times of discouragement, seasons of depression. I haven't done anything wrong. I am just sick and tired. I'm tired. I'm getting old. Some of you are older than I am. And I can't imagine what life's... And, but 
I don't know if you're not honest or whatever, but I, I, for me, I'm going to be honest. Getting older physically is, is a bit of a challenge. Because when I had a strong body like Caleb, and we read about him in chapter 14, and we're going to get to Caleb in a little bit, uh, I find it harder to do some of the things that I want to do. But I, I've struggled with that. I've said, well, Lord, could you give me a better body? A stronger mind? Help me to, to, to just be like Moses and, and Caleb. And you know, he, he hasn't answered that prayer yet. But I, I learned something along the way. And that is, God is not so much interested with our strength physically. Our brother Jim who, and his wife Jan, who are here visiting us today, also stayed at home. And we, we talked about how we are... At least this outward shell, the Bible talks about the outward shell, how it, uh, what is it that it says, that it, it continues to, to die, right? I mean, the outward man perisheth, is what it says. The outward man perishes. But you know, in the life of Caleb, uh, it's pretty cool that he was able to say, look, I am as strong now as an 85-year-old man, as I was when I was 40 years old. Can anyone say that here today? No? No. No, none of us can say that. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, those are exceptions. These are things that don't normally happen. But God, when God wants to do something, God can do it. He has a, he has a purpose. But one thing we know, that there has no temptation that has taken us, but such as is common to man. The temptation or the test of wanting to give up, to give up, to, to stay with the fight or not stay with the fight is common to every man. And what I've learned in that, the Lord uses these weaknesses, these frail bodies, these, these forgetful minds. Uh, Jim was mentioning that, you know, he's talking his, his work and he manages lots of people and he's in the... Uh, a place where you need to be on the mark. He's saying, you know, I, I think I'm losing it a little bit. You know, I'm just not able to, to be. And, and he says, but he says, it's causing me to lean upon the Lord a little more. And what's wrong with that, right? I think if we didn't have the troubles, if we didn't have the weaknesses, I wonder if we would ever think we need the Lord. Right? If we would ever go to the Lord. So, thank the Lord that we're getting older. Thank the Lord that we're feeling weak. Even if you don't feel like thanking Him. He's in control. And He's able to use weak vessels. As a matter of fact, I don't know that He can use a vessel that is self-confident. Let me, let me read to you about self-confidence here before we get into and review a bit of what we learned last week. The word confidence is defined as a firm belief or a trust, a reliance that is certain, that you, we are assured of will happen. That's, that's what confidence entails. We place our confidence in many, many things. Intelligence, talents, influence, and connections. But Psalms 40, which is what we covered this morning in the Sunday School Hour, indicates that our confidence should be solely in who? 
God the Lord. We are commanded in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, to be steadfast, to be unmovable, to always abound in the work of the Lord. See, that's the key. It's the work of the Lord. We are perhaps in ministry, but it's a ministry that belongs to the Lord. Our focus needs to be not what can we do, but what can God do through us. He's looking for vessels. And, he, and, and, he, and he's asking us to come alongside him, to allow him who is inside of us to be able to do only what God can do. When we think about those that need to be saved, we can witness we can love them, we can serve, we can just give ourselves and sacrifice ourselves in so many ways. But the conversion of a soul, which is the greatest work that can be done, salvation brought to a person's life, can only be done by the Spirit of God drawing in that heart a sense of need for the Savior. It's the only way it can happen. And so... Uh, Rather than getting, and I say this to myself, rather than getting discouraged that you can't seem to be getting through to somebody, thank the Lord that you're given the opportunity to be a witness and used in that way. Most folks rejected the Lord when he walked this earth, right? Only a handful of people that followed him. And then when the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts came, fell upon a bunch of people that were really a bunch of nobodies without the Lord. There were not many wise, not many uh, influential people of, of great position that were called in the early church. But God, through these very common people, worked and thousands got saved. Evidence that salvation is of the Lord. It has to be. There's no way. Think about it in your own life. But... David, not even being in the church age, remembers times in his life where he struggled. He was unable to do many, many things, and his reliance was continually upon the Lord. As a matter of fact, King David said that those who put their confidence in the Lord are blessed. He wrote, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. This psalm reveals David's confident faith in God. And as he waited for the Lord. And what did we learn this morning? We can wait for the Lord, but he wants us to wait how? Patiently. Patiently. I mentioned this morning that that my wife, and honey, I'm going to use you again because it was such a good example. My wife does this when she's waiting for me. It's not patient. My wife used to say, come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. That's not being patient either. Patience, and we learned in the class, actually brought out some things that a person is uh, going to think upon things that are apart from what an expectation is. That the Lord, for example, is in control. That, that I, I might not be able to make my husband move, but the Lord can. And so maybe the best thing to do is just pray. God, would you get at him? Or something like that. So there would be a change. Rely on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. He will 
honor that kind of attitude. First, the provisions from God. We have to focus on the provisions of God. David did that. He had a confidence in God. And it led him. It helped him to wait. In verse 1, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. His confidence in God moved God to work. Matter of fact, I think there are times where when we wonder whether or not God is going to do something, he wants to keep us wondering because our faith needs to grow. We need to be able to see that even when we think that God hasn't hurt us, God isn't doing anything, God is much greater than our thoughts. For his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so we ought to not only wait. Wait is just the the passing of time. Patiently is the condition of one's heart, condition of one's mind. And that's what he calls us to do. Now, in Caleb's story, Caleb waited 45 years to an answer of his prayer, for for his prayer. And that was that God was going to give to him a piece of land. God had already given them Abraham's promise, even before that, to, to give him a seed, And now the fulfillment of the land to be given was about ready to take place. And and Caleb stands as an example of us that waiting on the Lord does not mean that you just sit idly by. It means that you're going to wait in a certain way. You're going to find something to do. You're going to serve the Lord even though things are not the way you want them. And so let's go back to Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6. And we're going to reread what we covered last week. John, uh, not John, Joshua, my eyes. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6. Getting old. Joshua 14 and verse 6. Then the, you're going to have to use your Bible today. It's not coming up on the wall, folks. You're going to have to pull out your, oh, oh. They always make me look bad, those technicians out there. Okay, so, do it off the wall. The children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephaniah, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kedesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy or to scout out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. We heard that over and over last week. And we'll hear it again. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet hath trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. And he said, These forty and five years, even since the Lord spake the word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am strong this day. I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war, both to go out and to come in. Imagine that, 85 years old, and being able to say that. Now therefore give me this mountain, 
whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If it so be that the Lord will be with me. You notice, lest I forget, the, the condition upon which David, uh, not David, but uh, Caleb brings this request. He, he, he had plans, he had desires, but it was all contingent upon the Lord being with him. There are times we pray, there are times we ask and we seek, and we move forward, and we're not quite certain. And that is really a part of our, our humanity. We're, we're not 100, always 100% sure, but it is our desire to move forward and to do and to serve. And uh, we always say, right, if the Lord is pleased. If the Lord will, I will do this, that, or the other thing. It's, that's really the key. And Joshua blessed him. And no, let me finish verse 12. Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephaniah, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephaniah, the Kenizzite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord, God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kerjath Harba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims and Anakims, and the land had rest from war. What I've found in rereading that in the past couple of days is this Caleb knew what God had promised. Him. That is enough to give you confidence. Not only in, in the reception of what God had said, but the fact that God was able to perform that. I think of a verse now in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, a verse of great confidence to God's people. That he that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You can Bank on that. We may leave projects unfinished. We might not always get to doing what we had hoped to do. But if God has promised to do something for you in a word, and there's some 7,000 promises in the Bible, you can be assured that God, who cannot lie, will bring it to pass Caleb understood that. Caleb knew. He had seen God's hand, even in the wilderness wanderings, during a time of great testing. And he was able to say now, on the other side of the desert, that he was going to receive what God had promised. He had confidence in God. He went back and reminded Joshua, you were there, Joshua. He promised that to us. And, and, and I, I think that's very important too because as God's people, when we get together, we need to remind each other. He, he, he specifically said that. He says, look in verse 6, he says, The Lord sent unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee. When we talk about the return of the Lord I, 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 and him coming in the clouds, uh, the last phrase in that verse says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. 
The word of God brings us comfort, and we need to remind each other of what God has promised, and let that be a blessing into our life. The other thing I, I, I saw in this passage is, Caleb knew through whom the promised had been given. Moses. It, it started with Moses. It came from God, went to Moses, and Moses reiterated it to the people as the word of God. And I think that's vitally important because we're surrounded by people who are teaching us, people who are telling us what God is saying, what God has promised, what, what God is going to do. And I'm thankful that God speaks and works through men who bring forth his word. We see that in this church, a number of people who teach, the young uh, children are taught by uh, ladies, and I think there's some men too that teach downstairs. We, Moses serves as an, a, a tool, a vehicle, and it's no different today. God uses those that he has called to speak, to teach, to lead, to pastor. Very important. And, 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 and Caleb understood that. It came from Moses. It went to Caleb and Joshua, and there was a great confidence in that God's work was being moved forward through the people he had called. He also knew that the promise was given to him personally. Throughout this passage, we see words like I, me, my, mine. You know, it was given to both Joshua and Caleb, but Caleb really is focused on what God is going to give him. Now, you may say, well, that's kind of like self-centered, isn't it? I mean, you're thinking about yourself here, Caleb. No, I don't think so. I think it's a part of our walks with God. It's a part of our relationship with God. He understood that God was a God who, who was going to fulfill what he had promised him directly. I think we need to do the same thing. We need to apply these things personally in our lives. That God can give us what he has promised as individuals. Question, do you believe today that trusting God, no matter what, he will come through for you? Now, if I was to ask to write down the needs that you have and you're, you're, you're hoping that God would appear on the scene in your life and he would answer this prayer or that prayer, the list would be long. And it would be very different. I'm sure the young people would have a, a particular list of what they would hope God was going to do for them. And the older folks would, of course, have perhaps different things. But the, the question is not... Whether or not we have need, that's without, without doubt, but is whether or not we believe that God is able to do what he did with Joshua and Caleb, that he can do it again in our lives today. And if you're uncertain about that, then it's just you be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Help. What is it this verse says? I believe... Help thou mine unbelief. I thank God that there are verses in the Bible like that. Because we have faith. We believe in God. But we could be strengthened in that faith, right? We can believe a little bit more. How often did the Lord have to tell his disciples, some more than others, Oh, ye of what? Little faith. Or 
statements like, Hast thou not known? Have not I been long enough with you? Calling them to consider where they were really at in terms of their faith, as he does with us today. Well, I want to encourage you today, as final moments, that God always keeps his promises. Well, let me ask you that. Do you believe that? Every promise. When God makes a promise to you, does he always keep it? My answer would be, at least practically, I mean, I know what the right answer is. I would say yes, absolutely. However, it may take years or even centuries for him to make good on his word of promise. But you can be sure God always keeps his promise. Of the thousands of them that he gave to us in his word, in the book of Isaiah, we find in chapter 9 and verse 1 through 7, the greatest promise ever that he, he, would, he proclaimed that there was coming a Savior, the Lord Jesus, his Son. And it was promised 600 years before. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. And then we read in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, in the fullness of time. We operate on God's timetable, not ours. He was born, the Lord was, as an Israelite. He was therefore born under the law. As sons of God, the Lord Jesus, as the Son of God, the Lord Jesus would never have been under the law. He was the one who gave it. He was the law, the fulfillment of the law. But in condescending grace, he put himself under the law that he had made in order that he might magnify it in his life and bear the curse of death. God's promise of a Savior fulfilled and proclaimed 600 years before. Verse 5 of chapter 4 says, why he came is to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Oh, the promise of redemption. To be able to have all our sin canceled. To be able to say, I am free, finally, from the curse of the law. No longer applies to us as God's people because we've put our faith and our trust in him. He has bought us back. He created us and then he redeemed us back. And then finally in verse 5, to receive the adoption of sons, the promise of being adopted by God. These are things that we know, but I'm, at least in my life, I'm concerned that these things that I know touch me very little. God adopting me as his sons. Verse 6, And because we are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, God's delays in keeping his promises are not to be misunderstood as his denials. Perhaps you've been waiting for the Lord to come through for you in a particular area of your life. And it's not happening. Perhaps it's not his will. But if you can find it in the Bible, and if he's made it clear to you that it's a promise from him, you can walk 
with great confidence that what God has promised, he will fulfill. His delays are not his denials. God is the source and the dispenser of his promise. All good things come from the hand of the Father. And we know that uh, the means of acquiring God's blessing in our life is through the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son. God's great promise to his people, both redemption and adoption, as we have seen that in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6. So we need to make these things personal. How can we make this promise ours? I've already said you need to be adopted, you need to be a child of God, but how is that made possible for perhaps some of you that are not in a relationship with Christ? You've not given your heart and your life over to him. It's very simple. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Calling out on his name. Believing what he's done for you on the cross. Being able to say that there is no other way, there is no other truth, and there is no way of life or eternal life apart from what Christ has done for us at the cross. So, another question. How do we know that God has fulfilled this promise to us as his children? Do you remember the day that you got saved? All of a sudden you had a sense of God's presence in your life like you'd never had before. The presence of Christ was relegated to perhaps going to church and going through the liturgy and all the rituals and all of that. And you went to see God at God's house. Almost like, I mean, if you wouldn't find him outside. Because it's not God's house. That's kind of like what I thought. If I wanted to meet with God, I had to go into a building and uh, genuflect and do the sign of the cross and all of that. No, uh, God wants us to know this, first and foremost. When we give our lives to God, when we give our lives to Christ, when we ask Him to redeem us and to save us from the penalty of sin and the judgment that will come, we must recognize that he has given to us his Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit begins to work in our life. And the first thing, the, the, the greatest desire is for us to say, I mean, for me it was like not Abba Father, I didn't even know what Abba meant, but it was, oh Lord, all of a sudden I'm, I'm recognizing his presence and I'm like, good morning. Oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I, d- I just did something wrong. These things were became, became so clear to me that it was, it, it was actually difficult for me to, to think that God was not doing something. There's things that I could not stop at all until the Lord came into my heart and my life. And once he did, there was an immediate sense of his presence. And that presence was not just in a building, but it was as we t- talked and as we walked the pilgrim's way. And so we make it very personal. And then we believe more and more that what God has said, he will keep. So what, does hap- what happens to us when God makes a promise? God promises to give us an anchor for our soul, an encouragement to our hope that we become, as we come to him in prayer. Now when we talk and we ask, we have a sense of expecting and believing that God will fulfill that promise. 
While our own feelings cannot be trusted because they are so changeable depending on what is going on in our lives, it's God's promise that he's able to enable us to rise above our present or difficult circumstances. Where should I where should my confidence be placed in keeping God's promises to me fully upon his act upon our life on my life. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 says this, for all the promises of God are in him. Yea, that is Christ. We're referring to Christ here. There in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. All the promises, no matter how many they are, find their fulfillment in Christ. All who find him, the fulfillment of God's promises are able to say amen. When we open our Bibles and we find a promise, we look up to God and God says, you can have all that because you are in my son and my son in you. When we trust Christ, we say amen to God. God speaks through Christ and we believe in Christ. Christ reaches down And faith stretches up, we reach out, and every promise of God is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And through him we appropriate and take them to ourselves and say, Thank you, Lord. Amen. Lord, I trust you. This is how we believe with the eyes of faith. That he will answer our prayer. That God can be counted upon for meeting our every need that we have. Here are just a few, and we're going to close with these. Ten promises of God. See if you can think of verses that would go along with that. God promises to strengthen you. Feeling a little weak, as I do from time to time? God promises to strengthen you. God promises to give you rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will what? I will give you rest. God promises to take care of all your needs. And the Lord Jesus taught that. as He pointed to the hills that were clothed with the flowers and the grass. And, and, and to the birds. He said if the Father would care for such, would he also not care for you? He promises to meet our every needs. What needs do you have today that perhaps cause you to wonder whether God is going to come through In his promise. God promises to work everything out for your good. I think we heard that last week. All things work together for good to them who are called according to his purpose. Right? All things. Not necessarily that this particular thing is a good thing. But he takes this maybe bad thing and this other bad thing. And he makes something good out of that bad thing. That's what he does. He likes to do that. Uh, We had a bad thing happen in our home. And uh, my wife fell and she broke a hip. Well, uh, I I said this morning in our Sunday school class, my wife was very honest with the Lord. I think within seconds she said, Lord, this can't be happening. i got a life to live. As quickly as that. And as quickly as it came, it went. She realized what she said. Her theology kicked in. And she said, I don't know what you said. I forget what you said. But you did say something. 
you were like, Lord, I'm sorry, basically, right? I mean, you, you recognize that what you had said was like not correct. But it's amazing what's inside of us, right? Sometimes we, uh, we think, oh, we're, we're, this is where we are. And then something comes out of us and we say, you know what? I'm not really there. Because it's still, it's still there. And, uh, you know, you think that disappointed the Lord? Do you think the Lord would have rebuked my wife and said, Now, Rose, I didn't know that you had a life to live. No, she, he, he, he knew that and he, and he understood. He understood that she, she fell. And we, she fell more than one way, right? She, she, uh, she, she flunked the theological test and she... Broke a hip all at the same time. But God used that for good because ever since that time, you can ask her, we have a list of things that God has done through her broken hip in the life that she has to live. So we're, uh, we're thankful for that. God can turn all things out for good. God promises to be with you each and every day. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When he sent out the disciples to go out and preach the gospel, he says, I will be with you even unto the ends of the age. I will be with you. God promises to protect us, right? To be our caretaker. And we can bank on that. And God promises most of all freedom from sin. If we walk in him. And freedom from sin And it's penalty. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through the Lord Jesus Christ our Lord. And for that we're thankful. What God says. God does. He that hath begun a good work in you. Will perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. You can be confident in that. that. But always know that it's always the work of the Lord. That we can be confident in. And we're going to sing our final song. I believe our piano.